Good evening, it's 8 o'clock in Yerushalayim. And we want to talk a bit about the parish of Yitro, and we'll probably manage to get through the first pasuk. Uh, the parish of Yitro is, I think, also a oh, parish of Yitro. The pasuk, the first pasuk in the parasha, says, Vaishma Yitro Kohen Midyan. Yitro, who is also a priest in Midian. I mean, we have to imagine that he was not a priest, a Jewish priest in Midian. He was a Midian priest. And he was also Chotein Moshe, Moshe's father-in-law. At Kol Asher Asailukim Moshe Vayishma, that's the verb at the beginning of the Pasuk, he, Yitro, heard everything that had been done, everything that God had done to Moshe and Israel, or for Moshe and Israel, Amo, somehow putting Moshe at the forefront here, because that's what he heard. He heard about the fact that God took B'nai Israel out of Mitzrayim, and he heard all of the things that God had done for Moshe and Yisrael, in that he took them out of Mitzrayim. Took them out of Mitzrayim. So Rashi sits down, he's going to explain something to us. I mean, it seems pretty straightforward. We understand the Pasuk. And yet Rashi has something to say about it. Rashi says, Vayishmai Yitro. Vayishma Yitro, he says, what do you mean Vayishma? What was Vayishma? He heard, he knew. He was given the following information, Yitro, Mashmu Ashama Ubab. What did he hear exactly? What did he hear exactly? And Zarashi says, Kriyat Yam the two things he heard about were the two most recent miraculous events. Kriyat Yam splitting of the sea, which led to the destruction of the Egyptian army, and the war against Amalek, which did not decisively indicate a defeat for the Amalekites, but they were also not successful. Amalek was not successful. B'nai Israel, for the first time in history, held its own against a strong enemy. So, of course, the question everybody asks is, why does Rashi have to tell us with greater specificity who the, what it was that Yitro heard? Isn't it enough what the Pasuk itself says, the last words in the Pasuk, that's what he heard? I guess he heard with the with the idea that God took B'nai Yisrael out of Mitzrayim, all of the miracles that it took, and the interaction between Paro and Moshe and Aaron, right? All of that was something. Why did why did uh, uh, Rashi have to add Mashmuah Shama Uba Kriyat Yamsuv Muhammad Amalek? So I think that this is connected. Let me the answer. The answer is connected to to a kind of different question. 
I, I know that in the Chumash it says that God hardened Paro's heart. And therefore, even after terrible plagues, terrible uh, situations with the Egyptian people, Paro was unsympathetic. He said, no, I'm not going to let them out. So even though the Torah says that God hardened Paro's heart, I mean, it could be. I mean, why not? That's what the Torah says. But what did Paro say to himself? Paro didn't say to himself, God, Moshe came to Paro and said, there's going to be Arbe, locusts, the likes of which no one has ever seen. And then God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, will harden his heart. He's not going to let you out. He's not going to let you out after Arbe. Because there's another Makkah that still has to be placed upon him. He's not going to let you out. So true to form, Paro doesn't let them out. But what did Paro say to himself? What did Paro say to himself? I mean, how did Paro justify not giving in to the Makotim Mitzrayim? How did Paro? How did Paro justify not giving in to Moshe Rabbeinu's request? What are you doing, Miriam? Is there a paper there? I have. So what did Paro say to himself? It's true that God hardened his heart and made it difficult for Paro, made it difficult for Paro to do anything else, but Paro still had to justify his action to himself. So I think that Paro lived in a world of uh, many gods. There were many gods, as the Torah says, you know, Elohim Acherim. Yeah, this is one. Yitro. One, there's one. Yeah, yeah, I have Okay, I'll try it again. I'm sorry. That Iparo lived in a world where there were many gods. Every city had a god. Every country had a god. Sometimes more than one. And the only way these gods could kind of in the minds of the people live with each other is if the gods somehow uh, uh, made a deal. You're in charge of this, in charge of that. Anybody who has ever, you know, um, uh, taken a look at uh, the, the, the complexity of Greek mythology, you understand that gods that were in charge of features of Actual of action and features. I mean, you know, the Rambam deals with that to a certain extent. So the world was divided up amongst the gods. And we know that when the Syrians brought the <coughs> brought the Shomronim into Eretz Canaan, they decided to take 
to become Jewish or to to worship the the God of the land of Canaan. It was like people, you see, to them to be reasonable. Reasonable, there are a lot of gods in a lot of different places. When you come to a new place, you have to kind of give praise to the God of that place. So I think that Yiparo, he gave, he had praise for the God of his town, of the next town, of the country, of the neighboring country. I mean, all of these gods had to be appeased to some extent. So Paro said, since there are all these gods in the world, every god has a certain amount of power, but everybody's power is limited. That's part of the arrangement. If there are many gods, each god is limited in his power. And so when Moshe Rabbeinu came to Paro and said, Arbe, there's going to be a plague of the Abbas that you've never seen before. So Paro said to himself, okay, we're going to get a beating on the Arbe, but the God that produces the Arbe, probably that's the end of the line. There's nothing that he could do. And that's certainly what Paro said after Makat Bechorot, after the firstborn were killed. Paro said to the people, let's chase after them and bring them back to be said, where did he get that energy from? Well, he assumed that Matchat Bechorot, for whatever reason, was the end. The God of Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't do more than that. And that's why Kriyat Yam Suf was so important. So Mashmuah Kriyat Yam Suf, outside of Mitzrayim, in a place where nobody could live. You can't live in the water. And nobody could, and Mechemet Amalek, Mechemet Amalek, the Amalekites came to destroy, they came to fight against God. And they were able to, even outside, outside of the cities, outside of Mitzrayim, outside of Yamsuk, they were able to withstand the attack of the Amalekites. So Yitro, Yitro, who was Kohen Midian, it says in the Pasuk, he was a priest of Midian. He, he, Yitro was a priest, meaning he, he was knowledgeable in matters of religion. I mean, what, what is a Kohen supposed to do? He could, he'll tell you about religion. You know, he'll tell you what will, what might happen in the world. He'll tell you what might happen in the world with the particular gods that he's acquainted to, he's acquainted with. So Yitro, Yitro wanted proof that took him outside of the thinking of Paro. What was it that convinced Yitro that there was something special going on? means that the physical world is connected somehow to the will of God. And Milchemet Amalek is that God is willing to protect the Jewish people, right, Me even after they left Mitzrayim. And this is, this is Vayishma Yitro, and the Rashi. 
And in connection to this, in connection to this idea, I would like to just mention, I would like to mention that, you know, the parasha is called Yitro. The parasha is called Yitro. Why is it called Yitro? Well, you know, let's say the first remarkable word in the first pasuk is Yitro. So we call the parasha Yitro. That's how parashiyot are named. But after all, after all, isn't it true that Yitro was, at least in the first part of his life, was certainly not Jewish? Not only was he not Jewish, he was a Kohen Midyan. And being a Kohen Midyan had nothing to do with being Jewish or accepting the Torah, even though he himself went to accept the Torah, yes. But wouldn't you expect the parsha of the Matan Torah, that the parsha of Matan Torah would be the parsha of Moshe Rabbeinu? And if I just switch the words of the Pasuk around a little bit, Vayishma, Vayishma, no, Okay, Moshe. Moshe, uh, it says, Moshe, uh, You put the, you could put the word Moshe further up in the first pasuk, and then you'd be able to call the parasha Moshe. But why is it that it was called Yitro? It was called Yitro because Yitro did something that was so important, so special, so unique, that we can't forget it. Yet what did Yitro do? Yitro went to Moshe Rabbeinu and say, he said, you're working too hard, you know, like he's the father-in-law. So he says, you're working too hard, you don't have time for my wife, you don't have time for my children, my grandchildren, you, you don't take care of the things you have to take care of, you better stop stop working like a Meshuganet. Yitro says to Moshe Rabbeinu. So it seemed to me, it seemed to me that the Torah, the Torah writes this down, and it seems to me that that Moshe should have been able to figure that out himself. I mean, it, it, what is so difficult about figuring out that you don't have time to do the things that you want to do? What's so difficult about figuring out that if you work day and night nonstop, it's going to affect your health and things are going to be bad? So I imagine. I imagine that Moshe Rabbeinu had an answer, had a response. Yitro said to Moshe Rabbeinu, you're working too hard. If you're working too hard, you're not going to be able to serve the people. You're going to, you're going to die. I mean, you'll be sick. You'll die. That's what Yitro said to Moshe Rabbeinu. What did Moshe Rabbeinu say to Yitro? What did Moshe Rabbeinu say? Moshe Rabbeinu said, look, if they come to me and ask me a question, a shyly, so they asked me a question in, in halacha, what the Torah was. So I give them the perfect answer. The answer that I give them comes straight from heaven. And if for some reason I don't know the answer, I appeal to a Kaddish Baruch I say, what's the answer? And I get an answer from heaven. So B'nai Yisrael, that's what they want. They want the answer to come from heaven. They don't want some judge that I appointed to be the one who makes that decision. Right, there's a, they don't want they don't want that. So Yitro said to Moshe Rabbeinu, "I understand, I understand. You want the perfect answer, but you know, Moshe, sooner or later you're going to be gone, 
you're going to leave the world that we live in. And then B'nai Yisrael are going to say, we don't get the right answer. And because we don't get the right answer, we don't want to do it anymore. If we don't know Hilchot Shabbat, then we have no way of access, accessing Hilchot Shabbat. Why should we keep the Shabbat? We don't know what we're doing anyway. So you, Moshe Rabbeinu, have an obligation to appoint judges now and to convince the people that the judges that you appoint have equal authority to you yourself so that when you're no longer there, they'll go and ask the Rabbanim of the generation. And that's what happened and that's so, so Moshe Rabbeinu brought the Torah into the world. But Yitro created the special relationship between the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu brought into the world and the Torah itself. And what was that special relationship? That if you study the Torah and if you're involved in the Torah, if you're involved in the Torah, you will come up with the correct answer. That's the promise. Otherwise, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wouldn't give you, wouldn't have given you the Torah in the first place. If it was inconceivable that you could figure out what you're supposed to do at a particular moment, so you wouldn't get the Torah at all. Let's go on in Rashi. Yitro. Yitro? The Rashi says, Sheva Shemot Nikriulo. Sheva Shemot? Here's a man who has seven names. You know, generally, when when somebody changes, has more than one name, it's because he he went through a personality change. Avraham became Avraham because Avraham had a a, a very special relationship, very special to emuna, to faith, and therefore he 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 was a different person than he was when his parents named him. And so Kodesh Baruch Hu names him. Kodesh Baruch Hu names him. Same thing is true about Sarai. But uh, when we come to Yaakov, we know that Yaakov had two names. Yaakov and Israel. And sometimes he was Yaakov and sometimes he was Israel. He didn't lose his name in the Torah. Sometimes he's called Yaakov and sometimes he's called Israel. Yaakov means devious, uh, difficult, uh, creating enemies. That's all Yaakov. Israel, atop of the heap, victorious, glory. That's Israel. So Yaakov, sometimes he was Yaakov, sometimes he was Israel. So Rashi says this, Sheba Shemot meaning he had seven different personalities. He was seven different people at different times. Reuel, Yeter, Yitro, Chovov, Chever, Keini, Putiel. Then he starts explaining some of these names, not all of them, but but some of them. He says Yeter, that was his apparently original name. His original name was Yeter. Al Shem Sheyiter Parasha Achat Batorah. Yeter, al shame sheyiter. There's an extra. There's an extra parasha. What's the extra parasha that you have to appoint dayanim? What do you mean you have to appoint dayanim? If you think the dayanim are not 
on the same level as the Dayanim of the previous generation, you have to listen to them, you have to accept them, you have to... So that's the parasha. Hashem Shiiteh, there was an extra parasha Torah because of him. That's how the parasha begins. That's Yeter. That's the name Yeter. What about Yitro? What the name Yitro? Kshidit Gayer, Vikiyem et ha mitzvot, Osifu lo otachat al shemo. So first he was called Yeter. Why was he called Yeter? Well, I mean, maybe when you read Rashi, Reuel, Reuel. That was his name. Then he was called Yeter because he added a parasha unto the Torah. After that, he was called Yitro, Shenit Gayer. He became a Geir. V'kiyema mitzvot, and he fulfilled the mitzvot. Osifulo yo'ot achat al shmo. Why did He was called Yeter. And when he was bit Kayer, they called him Yitro. Otachat al Shemo. I mean, Avram, Avraham. Otachat al Shemo. Right? Get Kayer, Kayemet of Mitzvot. The name Chobab Shechibesh at the Torah. He loved the Torah. He loved the Torah. Okay, we saw that in the story that I told. That in one place he's called Chotein Moshe, and therefore we only know one Chotein Moshe, that's Yitro. So Yitro and Chovab are the same person. It's not clear about Reuel whether he was the whether he was another name or he was Yitro's father. They went to these the girls that Moshe Abelu met went to talk to Reuel. So that's not such a problem. They call him Abihen. And there's an extra Beirush that he says, and that's Chatan Moshe. First it says Chatan Moshe. Yitro is so proud of the fact that he's Moshe's father-in-law. Ani Chotein HaMelech. Ulishavar haya Moshe tolea gdula bechamav. Shinemar in the in a previous pasuk, Moshe Rabbeinu sort of said, "I'm happy to be related to him." Okay. So the 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 names represent primarily a special relationship between Yitro. And Torah. Yitro and Torah. And it brings us to the question in Giyur, in, in general, somebody wants to 
become Jewish and he's not Jewish. So in the period of time that it takes to become a full gear, I mean, what what's the status of the person that wants to become, or is there a status? Is there some sort of status that this person has? So I saw that the Svata Met, the Svata Met relates to this question. And I wanted to look at it with you to make sure. But Medrash, he quotes the Medrash in it, Gayer Hosif Lovab, which is exactly what Rashi, what Rashi said. Right? Rashi is based on the Medrash, and he quotes the Medrash. Gayer, when, when Yitro became Jewish, Hosifu Lovav, Yeter became Yitro. Adoni Mori Uskeni, that's the, the first Ger Rebbe, Adoni Mori Uskeni, uh, the Svat Emet is the second Ger Rebbe. The first Ger Rebbe is the Chidushi Arim, he's called. Yitzchak Meir, Reish Yud Mem, Rab Yitzchak Meir. And the second one is his grandson. He had a son, but the son died very young. And the grandson was brought up by, brought up in Torah, he was his Rebbe, by the first Ger Rebbe. First Ger Rebbe was the Chidushi Orim. The second Ger Rebbe was his grandson, who was known as the became known as the Svatamet. So the uh, Adoni Mori Svatamet quotes his grandfather, which he does very often. He quotes his grandfather, the Khadush Yarim Salamar, Kiyeter. So what's Yeter? What's Yitro? What, what is all of this? This is Yeter Al Shem Shayyutar Be'inei Atzmo. Yeter, he thinks it's connected to the Hebrew word miyutar. Miyutar means unnecessary, extra, right? Like your appendix is miyutar. It doesn't seem to do anything. So he says, ki yeter, why is he called yeter? He, yitro, why was he called yeter? miyutar he felt he was unnecessary, unimportant, insignificant. Before he before he converted, insignificant. Somehow he understood that he and B'nai Yisrael were in two different worlds. That B'nai Yisrael were being led by God and Moshe Rabbeinu and went into our, uh, to to uh, to and, and and fought in Muhammad Amalek and what Kriyat Yamsuf. So all of that indicates a very special relationship between Am Yisrael and Akadish Baruch. And so he says, he was Atzmo. He said, Who am I? I'm not doing anything great. I'm doing any of those things. I'm 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 a, I'm a simple Midianite. Shevin Lo Mulchdushat Yisrael. That if you compare. His existence to Kedushat B'nai Yisrael, if you could do such a thing, if you could compare these two things, then it would it turn out that you're nothing. 
that to be in, a, in part of Am Yisrael, that could do shat Am Yisrael on the one hand, and then to be the other hand, you won't have you don't have any reality. There's nothing real about you, Mulka the Shat Bnei Yisrael. Achein ki l'sheirit nachlato. Achein ki l'sheirit nachlato. This is also true for sheirit nachlato. It's a pasuk in the Navi that is that God is concerned about those that are left over in the Galut, those that are left over in the diaspora. And he says, Mi el kamocha noseya vodva ve'al pesha l'sheirit nachalato. Who is like HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who is worried about the people who do these sins? It's like he felt that he was, that was him. Ki l'sheirit nachalato. Achein what is Sheirit Nachalato? Person who thinks of himself as what's left on the plate after everybody eats. And therefore, when Yitro was Mitgayer, or anybody's Mitgayer, Mitgayer, he becomes part of Sheirit Nachalato, the what's left over, the the little bit that's left over. And then the fact that before he was Megayer, Mitgayer, he thought of himself as being nothing. He says, "I've got to, I've got to." Become, uh, I've got to become part of Am Yisrael. I've got to become part of Klal Yisrael. Right? He says, When he becomes a Jew, he becomes part of that group. The fact that he thought of himself before him as being nothing and nobody, Who's he quoting? He's quoting his grandfather. His grandfather, Chidush Yerim. Chidush Yerim said that even though before he was Midgayer, he was nothing. He had nothing, and he had, and he had nothing. But after he's Midgayer, listen to these words. He was nothing before the Giyur. His Bitul, the fact that he said he's nothing, he's worthless, he has no spiritual content. That Bitul, that Bitul, Nechshav, a Bitul Shalom. That, that even the, he who was there beforehand, right, became. So this is what he sees he sees in 
in Yitro. What was Yitro? Yitro was a Kohen Midian. He understood something when he heard about Mohammed Amalek and he heard about Kriyat Yamsuf. He understood something that no one else understood. And he said he was nothing. How could he compare himself to the experience of B'nai Yisrael? They had experience with God. He had nothing. So he was, he said, I'm nothing. I'm nobody. The only way to fix it is for me to mitgayer, to become part of the 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 group that's left, whatever is left, I want to be part. I want to be part of, part of it. So the 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 chidusharim, chidusharim says, and then when he's mitgayer, when he's mitgayer, that last line can be met lo hayaklum, rak kishinet gayer. After he is mitgayer, he uh, uh, yitro. He becomes fully recognized as an important personality. So if you would ask, if you would ask the Tidushiorim, how did it happen that Yitro was the one? Yitro was the yeah, of course he was Mitkayer. But what does Mitkayer mean? Mitkayer means he thought he was before he was Mitkayer, he was nothing. He was nothing. He had no way of of understanding how he could himself be so irrelevant. So the Chiddush says that that's the glory of Giyur. That the Giyur, Giyur, uh, when a person converts, it means he said, he, he kind of brings out the fact that he was always that way. Conversion is not a radical change. It's not something that that uh, you were one way and now you're another way. In fact, you know that the Maharal and others say very clearly that uh, that who who comes to be Mitkayer? It's probably a, a Jew. In other words, the Jews in the difficulties that they had, that that's a Shevit Nakalato idea in the Prophet Micha. The Jews went from one place to another. They were expelled from one country and were, went, were welcomed by another country and expelled ultimately by that country. So that's the kind of history that we carry, that we carry around, around with us. Uh, so we're all... So who, who is going to want to convert? Probably somebody who was really Jewish, but got kind of sidetracked and 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 could not uh, express his his true feelings. So he doesn't know any longer if he's Jewish or not. So he comes to be, uh, uh, to go through a conversion process. But he's really, the reason he wants to be converted is because he's Jewish. So the Svatabet says, when you convert a person, then the his previous nature uh, assumes a level of kedusha that he didn't know about. He didn't know that he had it in him. He thought that you had to change. So Yeter, Yeter is the one who added the parish in the Torah, and Yitro is the one who would mit Gayer. And you know that there's a machlokus in the Gemara about whether Yitro came before Matan Torah came after Matan Torah. Okay. 
But even if he came, uh, if he came uh, after Matantar, he was Mitgayer, and therefore he was able somehow to to express his relationship with the Torah, which is based on the way he was even before him. <laughs> okay, those of you who have the energy can finish the the Svata Met on their own. Have a wonderful Shabbos. I'll see you next week. Be well. Rabbi, I have something to say. I heard, a, it's a joke, that Yitro had to change his name every time he he, he married off one of his daughters because he got in. He got, he got what? He, he became in debt, D-E-P-T, from, uh, from the cost of the marriage. It's a joke. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> Nothing like a joke. Rabbi Akiva right. used to tell a joke. The Gemara says Rabbi Akiva would tell a joke when he saw that the people were falling asleep. It is going to be a sheer. So it's not a new thing. It's not a new thing. Thank you very much. Okay. Be, be well. Have a good Shabbos. Thank you, Rabbi.